Tap dancer Richard Schwartz started dancing relatively late in his early 20s when he saw a Fred Astaire movie and, like the rest of us who love Fred, thought, I can do that. Richard, unlike the rest of us, believed it and became obsessed with the idea and became a tapper. 25 years later, Richard has appeared in eight different productions of 42nd Street and currently choreographs and performs with partner Melissa Giatino throughout the world. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I have a kind of an unusual history. I was, at the age of 22, taken to uh, what was called the Art Deco Film Festival at Radio City Music Hall in Manhattan, and I just went with a friend, and after we looked at the exhibit in the rotunda of Radio City Music Hall and all the Art Deco things that were on sale there, he said, oh, let's go see what the movie is. So we went upstairs, and they were playing Fred Astaire's Shall We Dance, which, of course, is an Art Deco film. And I just sat down, I guess having known who Fred Astaire was, but never really watched him. And here I was in college. I was a jock all through high school. I wasn't doing any college sports. I wasn't big enough. And I looked at this guy tap dancing on all the machinery in the basement of the ship. And I just said, gee, that looks like fun. I said to my friend, I said, you know, I think I'm going to learn how to do that. And he looked at me like, yeah, right. And I went to get the soundtrack for Shall We Dance. I opened up the album, and I saw in the liner notes that Fred Astaire was born on my birthday, May 10th. (laughs) And so I decided, that's it. I'm going to go. And I just went to the Yellow Pages, and I um, found the nearest dance school. I was living in the village, going to NYU, and I just took my first class in Hush Puppies, and I just got hooked. And, and, and from that point on, I just couldn't get enough and I just went nuts. In fact, I knew I was in trouble when I arranged my NYU academic curriculum around the tap classes that I wanted to take uptown. <laughs> so that was a problem. Had you done any kind of dancing before? No this? dancing. I had been in a band. I played bass in a rock band for a couple of years. Uh, so I had a music background. But to start tap at 22? Right. It was, well, you know, tap dancing is one of the few, if not only, dance forms that you can pick up a little bit later in life. Not a hell of a lot after 22, but you don't have to have done it. I often think that had I started dancing when I was a kid, I would have gotten sick of it when you get interested in girls and I would have stopped doing it because it wasn't cool. But here I was, 22, as soon as I got proficient at it, I did an audition, and I was able to do something with it immediately, so I got that positive feedback, and that's what kept me going, I think. I don't think I would have lasted if I was doing it as a kid. Very few boys continue tap dancing from the age of five or whenever, you know, they start doing stuff like that. That's fascinating, because as I've told you before, I started playing professional music much later, around 22 is when I found out what key I was in, what I was doing. Amazing. And so it's the same thing starting very late and exactly that same age. And I've often thought, I've known the disadvantages of that because everybody right. I know started earlier. Right. But I came with this enthusiasm, which exactly. you obviously have, yes. of a late convert of, right. I've seen the light. And that kind of well, thing, which I, is fascinating. Yeah, and I have that personality. It's a little bit obsessive. I have that trace in me that once I get a hold of something that I like, 
I kind of go nuts, and and I did. I went nuts. I took a tap class a day and rehearsed by myself, practice, I should say, for two hours on my own after every class, six days a week for two years. <laughs> I just I just went nuts. And then after, at that point, I could tap dance. I was, I was decent. It took me a long time to get my body trained to look good. That was a much harder thing than getting your feet to make the sounds. But the athletic prowess and the grace of that, I would think, would be really essential. No, and no question that my athletic ability helped me, but that was uh, almost, it's been a lifelong uh, uh, project, getting yourself to move the way you want to move and look the way you want to look. It's It's easy to feel like you're moving beautifully but when you see yourself on video you say no that's not me that can't be me uh, you know that's so it's tough the, the, uh, but i'm gifted in terms of having had good feet my the feet came to me very quickly i'm pretty clean i have mm. clean feet so when i tap uh i feel very confident of my ability to make the sounds and i've got good technique that i can fall back on so I, I'm, I've always been happy about that. So if I don't always look great, I sound pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I love you talking about the obsession yeah. for it and the work because I think that's such a great message for other people who want to develop anything that they're interested right. in is that someone looks at you and says, oh, I wish I could tap dance. But behind that, it's just like Tiger Woods. He sat at home and looked at all those videos. You hear the oh, stories. Yeah. That was not just natural ability. It was natural ability combined with obsessive oh. work and dedication. But the great reward you get from that. It's, it, it, well, the, the, in many ways, the great reward is just having something that you love doing. You know, it's not even so much, although it is, the final product of being able to perform and to show, you know, entertain people. But just so many people really never latch on to something that they just are so in love with doing. So in some ways, I consider myself lucky to have that from that point of view.
My guest, Tapper vocalist Richard Schwartz with his partner Melissa Giattino on Yes Sir, That's My Baby. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. Richard's inspiration to become a tap dancer was seeing Fred Astaire's Shall We Dance at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. It was an interesting moment because I was more just intrigued by... It was almost as if I hadn't seen a tap dancer before. I I was intrigued by the movement and the rhythm. You know, that, oh, what an interesting thing that somebody... Let me get this right. He dances, which I get... And then he makes these rhythmic sounds with his feet at the same time. I said, that's kind of cool. So that was the, that's what hit me at that moment. It was later that I, I, I started realizing how incredible this man is, Fred Astaire. And he certainly became my idol quickly. And I remember going down, there was a, a little playhouse on the, on 8th Street. I don't know if, if you know about it. For years, they played, old Fred Astaire, old old movies in general, and they would have Fred, Fred and Ginger festivals. And I remember, this is before VCRs, or just when they were coming out, and I would just go to 8th Street, all the way east at St. Mark's, and I would just sit there, and the, and the lights would dim, and everyone was waiting for Fred and Ginger, and it was cool, you know, and they play old Lee Wiley music, waiting for the lights to come down, and all of a sudden, and, and the crowd in the theater, it's a little theater, they react, and I did that obsessively. Aww. That was kind of cool. And then I got into the video thing, and I, I videotaped all of his dances and so I could watch him over and over. Things have come to a pretty pass. Our romance is growing flat. Because you like this and the other, while I go for this and that. Goodness knows what the end will be. Oh, I don't know where I'm at. It's plain to see we two will never make one Something must be done You say either and I say either You say neither, I say neither Either, either, neither, neither Let's call the whole thing off You like potatoes and I like potatoes You like tomatoes and I like tomatoes Then that might break my heart 
So with you like oysters, and I like oysters. I'll take oysters and give up oysters. No, we, no, we need each other. So we better call the calling off. Oh, let's call the whole thing off. Did you want to be a performer when you started doing this? You know, you know, I, I don't think I did. I think that it was such a natural evolution of learning tap. There's, you know, getting good at something and then wanting to show somebody what you can do is kind of a natural evolution, I think. Mm. Um, I, I know that uh, when I was going to NYU and I was going to be a lawyer earlier in my life, I took an acting class. And it was in my acting class. Instead of doing a scene study for my little thing, I did a tap number. And I did a scene leading into it from uh, a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie. That was the first number I got up in front of an audience and tap dance. It was um, Isn't This a Lovely Day? And it was when Fred and Ginger meet in a gazebo in a rainstorm. And we did the scene. And we then did the little tap number. After. And I, I do remember doing that. And I remember it's a blur. I don't know how I got through it. I don't know. I don't remember my feet doing what they were supposed to do. And to me, it was just magical that I actually could do it. I don't know if I've ever been more nervous in my life. It's fascinating to hear you talk about being drawn to this the way you were and the natural outgrowth of developing this and then wanting to show someone because it's talked about a lot, the problem today in that so many young people and maybe older people, certainly reality shows speak to this, mm -hmm. just want to be famous. It isn't at all about what they're doing to be famous, but I'm struck by how many people, and myself included, have told me they saw, they heard, they witnessed something that they experienced that made them think, I want to learn how to do that. That was the motivation. And Absolutely. then they went away and developed that. And then out of that thought, oh yeah, this would be cool if I could share this with somebody. It, mm -hmm. it really, it developed in a much, to me, more authentic way. I think that it, yeah, I think what you, that is a major pitfall. I think that if people are motivated by wanting to be famous or rich, I think they're missing the whole thing. I think that, that said, I think, and I've said this time and again, it, it's the process that you need to be in love with. It's the process. It's rehearsing. It's practicing. It's learning. And that seems to me to be the way to get to another place, a more successful place. Whereas if you focus on simply being famous, you're, you're setting yourself up for a, a, you know, a difficult time. You know, because actually being famous is such a, a nebulous concept in terms of what is famous and also going for something that's so ephemeral that you're not really pursuing anything that's real. It is just, it's just a different thing. Look, people can try to become famous, and if that's what they want to do, fine. Go and try to become famous, but it's not... It's you you it you miss the whole point of the joy of communicating with performers on a stage. You miss the whole joy of of evolving as uh, as uh, uh, executing something that 
is a joy in and of itself in a private room with the door closed mm. that um, I, you know, is such a thrilling thing. Just to see yourself develop is is thrilling, uh, and and you 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 have so much more to to count on and gain by doing that. Whereas if you if you want to just try to get rich or be famous, the odds are immensely against you. So I mean the the problem with that is that you're probably going to become very disappointed. Uh and that's just it it's probably not a good reason to learn how to play an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> well that'll never keep you going anyway. It isn't the kind of thing that isn't going to motivate that isn't going to make you practice three hours a day, as you were saying. You're absolutely right. And what was it like when you finally did start performing, that you'd put all this work in and then you open your eyes and here you are and you're in 10 million productions of 42nd Street. In you the, have to talk about yeah, that. I just well, think that's the funniest well, thing. Well, for some reason, I'm, I'm perfectly suited for a, one particular role in 42nd Street, Andy Lee, which is the dance director of the show within the show. So I've been cast a lot. I've done eight different productions of 42nd Street. And uh, listen, performing is thrilling. There's no question about it. It's uh, It's... It's the outlet that I crave in terms of displaying and communicating something inside of me that you can't do any other way. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't, I didn't plan on that. You know, when I started taking tap classes, I'll tell you that. I just decided I wanted to learn how to tap dance. But I, I guess I'm just, I got, to a point with something where I was fortunate enough to share that with other people. And it is amazing. I've gotten probably more of a thrill out of doing my own song and dance material and my own act with uh, my partner, Melissa Giottino, uh, than I have doing productions of book shows and musicals because I can sort of spread my wings a little bit more when mm. I do my own act. I'm, I'm sure you could almost relate to that. You could be in a pit somewhere in an orchestra and playing beautiful piano, and there's nothing that's a fabulous thing, but, you know, you can go into a club, and you're Judy Carmichael, and you're performing, and it's a thrill to communicate with the audience. And you're able to improvise, and you're a real jazz fan. You're a jazz guy. I can tell by yeah. the music you've brought and all of that, Right. and we've gotten to improvise together, mm -hmm. which is wonderful, and I, as much as I've always loved dancers and loved to dance myself... I found myself saying, well, I'm just jamming with another musician because that's really what it feels like. I'm not thinking I have to set these things up to set up right. the dancer. And that's somewhat unusual, isn't it? Not a lot of tappers improvise. Yeah, I would say that's true. I would say most tappers, well, the, the, the new breed of tap dancers, the rhythm tappers, a la Savion Glover, uh, what, what I would call hoofers, I don't know, hip-hop tapping, whatever, they have more of a connection with improvisation than the old school Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor kind of tappers who are more in tune with choreographing a piece of music and doing that piece of choreography, which I love to do also. But I think because I was in a band when I was younger, I played drums when I was in 10th grade, um, you know, it's funny, I, I remember tapping my fingers and feet my whole life, I just would, I was, I don't know, I just seemed to uh, gravitate towards rhythm. So when I get up, I, I just, I feel very comfortable improvising. And I, I've, I've done that with a lot of different musicians. I, I actually went uh, uh, away with a guitar player several times and he had his own gig and I would just get up and start improvising with him. Nothing was set. Uh, 
but as you said, it's just like, you know, my tap shoes are my instrument in mm. a sense. So it's just like any one of the members of your great band, you know, I just get up and I, I play. I've had a lot of people tell me about the early years when a lot of those drummers also tap danced. So there's a huge connection with that. Wow. Joe Jones tap danced. No. All these guys. And they would go backstage because back then everybody was expected to do everything. Even if you yeah. couldn't sing, one of the band members, they'd say, right. it's your time to sing your tune or something like that. <laughs> but the drummers tap danced. I didn't know and that. And they would compare wow. rhythms. They'd say, they'd, you know, Buddy Rich would run, Buddy Rich, a wonderful tap dancer. Come on. Oh, yeah. And he would run into, you know, one of the other guys and say, well, I've been, what have you been working on? Well, this, and their drums aren't right there and they tap it out Don't and show care. each other. Yeah. So, and I mean, and it's an obvious connection. In no, it terms is an of obvious connection. Thing. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. Um, it's such a weird discipline tap dancing that unless you really devote at least uh, you know, six months, a year, two years, it's hard to get your feet to make those rhythms. So, you know, it's interesting to hear that, uh, drummers, uh, well, that they could keep it up. I think that's it because it's like people ask me about stride piano and I always use, they'll say, why, why don't more people play stride piano? And I always use tap dance as an example because I say it's something you can't do just mm. a little, hmm. just rhythmically the physicality of it you can't say i'm going to play piano for a year and do every other aspect of jazz now i'm going to play some stride you just physically cannot do it and i imagine right. with tap dance it's what you're saying you can't just say i'm not going to tap for a year and now i'm going to tap you it's, might remember it but it's going to be hard to get the physicality yeah. of it working i would think well i mean if something you have to keep up if somebody's a buddy rich a famous incredible drummer I mean, for him to take the amount of time to learn how to tap dance is significant. Well, I think he was doing it from a young age. I see. I see. Well, that makes sense. That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. So they, they kind of got into drumming after they, their well, parents... Well, I think they did it both. I think they, these people grew up with it and right. be part of their act. Yeah. It's like Sammy Davis Jr. Wow. getting up and playing drums and then he's coming from behind amazing, the drums and tap dancing. Amazing tap. And they all did all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, Sammy's, again, he's, <laughs> Sammy's unbelievable what he could do. Well, talk about Django Run. Reinhardt. You're a Django fan. I am too. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the songs that I have been inspired by um, are songs that display um, two things. They display, first of all, amazing amount of rhythmic ability and variety, which I think is important to hold a listener. When when something is continually droning on without a lot of dynamics and change rhythmically, it's hard to hold an audience, and nor do you want to hold them that way. So that's one thing. And Django, as you might will hear, he has this amazing rhythmic ability. He varies his rhythms on his guitar playing. Uh, and the other thing that I feel is important uh, from an inspirational point of view for me is having a vision of your own creation and 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 going the distance and 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 achieving it
Django Reinhardt on Shine. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For a discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. My guest is tap dancer Richard Schwartz. Now, you're a Benny Goodman fan. Well, of course. I know. You have Sing, Sing, Sing. Talk about this. Why does this particular... Well, of course, the drums, Are, are right? there any people that aren't Benny Goodman Well, fans? not that are friends of ours. <laughs> <laughs> They're just written off. Yeah. Well, every now and then you come across a piece of music that you just can't not dance to, mm. you know, and... And, and, you know, I'm not by any means the first one to discover Sing, Sing, Sing. How about Bob Fosse in his big show? But it's just one of those pieces of music that is just filled with energy and excitement and dynamics. Mm-hmm. Every time you, you get, you get, you know, pulled into one section of the number, he, he moves you to another section and it's just thrilling. It's, it's got all these great little sections of, of music. You have, you know, the Krupa, Gene Krupa stuff. You've got the Benny Goodman himself. You've got all these great things, and it's just infectious.
have something with tapping, too, that a challenge that I just thought about that I do with stride piano in that the good news is that it's so rhythmically engaging and audience is immediately grabbed. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is for it not to become monotonous. I think you real, you know, I, I, and for my money, that's the biggest problem with tap dancers. Well, I guess with music in general, but for, in my experience, there are a lot of tappers that don't have that sense of, okay, now it's time to move on to something else. And I think that when you're growing up or you're learning tap and you think, oh, I want to be a great tap dancer, really what you almost mean is you want to be a great choreographer and or arranger because one is really worthless without the other. Uh, you can be great at executing steps, but unless you can fashion it in an, in an entertaining way, it, you're going to have a rough time uh, holding an audience. Yeah. Well, that was what was so great for me about Fred Astaire and had to be such a huge challenge, well, and with Hermes Pan, of course, to make the things that he was doing yeah. as fantastic as it was fresh how do they come up with the new ideas dance on the ceiling do things right. I mean you like pick yourself up talk about that as well, a number yeah. that really stands out and break it down kind of in terms of why that worked the way it I'd did I'd be happy to it's, it is absolutely probably my favorite duet ever okay it's from Swing Time it's with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and uh, it's well First of all, as far as the storyline goes in the show, it's a perfect placement because it's the moment in the movie when Fred Astaire shows Ginger Rogers, who he has, of course, uh, fallen in love with, uh, that he can, in fact, happen. She plays a dance teacher, and she has no idea. So there's that. Okay, but then the number itself is is thrilling because it goes through all of these changes, and it builds, and... He displays all of this great footwork uh, in different rhythmic uh, ways throughout the number. And, and as all really good numbers have to have, this number keeps you on your toes. I don't, no pun intended. <laughs> it, it, it takes you from one section to another. And just when you think, okay, I get that, and I hear that, and I feel that, and it's great, he's off and he's doing something else. Uh, you, can, you can hear it. Uh, audibly, of course, it's a help if you can see it uh, when he does it uh, in the movie. But even audibly, just hearing the piece, you can hear the different sections. It's uh, it's just one of the great duets of all time. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Turn. One, two, three. Turn. Let's try it again. Get it. One, two, three. One, two, three. Turn. One, two, That's not the worst. My two feet haven't met yet, but I'll be the teacher's pet yet, cause I'm going to learn to dance on birds. 
nothing's impossible I have found When my chin is on the ground I pick myself up, dust myself off Start all over again Don't lose your confidence if you slip Be grateful for a pleasant trip And pick yourself up, dust yourself off Start all over again Work like a soul inspired Till the battle of the day is won You may be sick and tired But you'll be a man, my son Will you remember the famous men Who had to fall to rise again So take a deep breath Pick yourself up Dust yourself off Start all over again I'll get some self-assurance If your endurance is great I'll learn by easy stages If you're courageous and wait To feel the strength I want to I must hang on to your hand Maybe by the time I'm 15 I'll get up and do a nifty All right, I'll show you again. Now remember, three steps to the left, three steps to the right. That's the right. And turn. Right. One, two, three. One, two, three. I know, I'm fine. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start all over again. Listen, no one could teach you to dance in a million years. Take my advice and save your money. Now, um, how did you say that last step went? Uh, uh, Oh, yes. Shall we try it right through? Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers from the movie Swing Time. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is tap dancer Richard Schwartz. What I love in that movie, and it's one of my very favorite movies too, probably my favorite Fred and Ginger, Mm. is 
after watching them make it look so effortless, which mm. in our minds, we all know we can go home and do that same thing. We're thinking that that was <laughs> well, what the genius true. of it was. Right. But then when they have, yeah. and they're such great character actors and their names escape me, but then when the two, the other, oh, older, yes, the other couple, yes, yes, they yes, get up yes, and they yes. start dancing. Eric Bloor, I think, is the guy, and I can't think of the woman's name. Right? They they get he, up and he, dance. He says, "What one man can do, what one man can do, another man can do." <laughs> exactly. And he gets up and he tries to do oh, it. Oh, and it's so funny yeah, because as yeah. elegant and sexy as Fred and Ginger are, right. they are not. And it's such right. a great thing because I yeah. think it's just it punctuates all of us that are watching this. This is what we're going to look like, except for you, of course. Yeah. But it's such a great just comic moment in that movie. Yeah. And I've never gotten to ask a tapper what was so special about Fred and Ginger because there's other people who tap danced better and danced yeah. in general better than she. I mean, who am I to say, but that other people have said that because he'd have Eleanor Powell and he right. had Rita Hayworth. Right. All these people... And although we always said his favorite partner was Gene Kelly, which I always love, right? That was this, right. He doesn't. He doesn't want that. a political yeah. thing, right? Yeah. But what was so special about the two of them together, separate from? I mean, it was tap dancing and dancing. Everything that they did. What What do you think was so special? Um, I I think that um, the what really made them special was the feeling that you got when you watched them dancing. Um, Ginger had that incredible... First of all, Ginger was phenomenal. I think in some ways, I think she's a little underrated only because she was unbelievable in her dancing ability to be able to just get up there and hold her own with Fred Astaire and do it in such a feminine way. That's the key problem for most female tap dancers. Tap dancing is not innately a feminine thing, mm. if you think about it. Mm -hmm. it, it. It involves percussive impact with the floor. Well, when you think about that, there's nothing delicate and feminine about that. Ginger was a master at maintaining and uh, displaying her femininity all throughout the tap number. She also had this great ability to focus on Fred, her partner, and you could feel her connection with him, her love for him, her almost infatuation. And uh, it didn't hurt that you, in these movies when they were made, Hermes Pan mostly dubbed in for Ginger's taps. So uh, when you hear most of the movies, you're, you're hearing Fred Astaire tapping with Hermes Pan dubbing in Ginger's, I believe. Uh, yeah. It, and it, why was that? Just for the sound, so the sound would match better? Yeah, I think, I think that it made it a little easier for Ginger to shoot a scene when she knew she didn't have to fixate on, I mean, Fred Astaire, I think, dubbed in his taps later also. Mm. So, um, uh, she could concern herself with how she looked entirely and not worry about hitting or missing a tap sound. And when you think about it, it would almost have been impossible mm. for her. Uh, now, I'm not saying Fred couldn't recreate what he did live. I'm sure he was incredible at it. But I, my sense is that it, it was a big help for Ginger, knowing that she could just do the dance, mm. and then we'll get the taps to sound right later. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that helped her. But um, Ginger, you know, the saying, Ginger gave Fred sex appeal, and Fred gave Ginger class. That's the standard line you hear. So there was an aspect of that. Um 
I think the begin the begin number with Fred and Eleanor Powell in white, which is a big feature in That's Entertainment, um, is considered one of the great pure tap numbers of all time also as far as duets go. And Eleanor was probably the strongest female tapper. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wasn't super feminine she as was, you're saying this. She I, wasn't super feminine. I mean, she, not like a ginger yeah, that you she, can imagine in all these love scenes. She was pretty good. Way. Oh, yeah, she yeah, held yeah, her own. yeah. She, she, she was uh, a beautiful dancer and mover, but that number was not about... Um, uh, a blossoming love occurring before your eyes, mm-hmm. between, as is the case with Pick Yourself Up. Mm-hmm. You see Ginger is just bowled over by what this clumsy, what she thought was a clumsy guy. And now by the end of the number, you see it number after number with Fred and Ginger. Um, uh, cheek to Cheek is another example where by the end of the number, he has her. Right. Yeah. Well, right. that's not the case with Fred and Eleanor Powell or, you know, other partners. It was just something that happened with Fred and Ginger. They just were amazing together. As you're saying that, though, that really is the key. That's what I meant about Eleanor Powell, and I'm a huge fan of Eleanor Powell. But I'm thinking of, of, to me, nobody received a song being sung to them better than Ginger. She just, her reacting was always so beautiful. And as you're saying it, each moment of her falling for Fred was right. always so beautiful in those movies. I mean, she made you believe that Fred Astaire was the most, you know, the end-all and be-all on the planet. I mean, and that was that was her incredibly great contribution. Her acting was great. I mean, it was a big deal. Mm. She just was fabulous. And her dancing is great. Talk about Birdland. Oh. There's another. Oh. Well, Birdland's another example of total control over a whole approach to a song and the sound. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's all four of Manhattan Transfer. I, I would tend to think Janice Siegel was a huge factor in that vision because it's, it's so well directed is what I'm going to say, that song. Uh, and I, I, I feel their accomplishment with it. And then, of course, my other aspect which is the rhythm everything in that number is unbelievably rhythmic all the instruments the changes it goes from one section to another uh the vocal rhythms now vocal rhythms if what john hendrix does we'll get back to cloudburst in a minute but what the different members of manhattan transfer do especially near the end when they kind of get a little vocalese going it's the rhythms are incredible and they just they just nail the song you know you get a sense that when they finished the recording of that song they said well we did that (laughs) that song is done that song is done we (laughs) achieved what we wanted it's just amazing i was blue and i was always wearing a brown because my gal had turned me down then we met and you met i knew from the first you were my love cause that's when the old gray cowbirds my heart really flew the day you crossed my eye i hope that we do will never say goodbye clouds of gray have silver linings when they're reversed i found your love and that's when the old gray cowbirds I'm gonna tell you about your loving and your kissing and your hugging and your sweet little loving, pretty baby. I want me satisfied till you play. Here comes the bride. Listen to me, baby, and I don't mean maybe listen to my story. It's terrifically true. I want to find a way of telling you that I really go for you. I hope you'll believe me, baby, but I certainly do. 
Cause you're telling me, really, really, silly, when you tell me that you probably got a kind of crush on me. It moves me, moves me. How divine can one woman be? Oh, little darling, I'm really falling. You got me goofy and gay. I'm gonna get carried away. Just think you're gonna be mine someday. Oh, let's spin a little pack, a little stop, a little spark, a little live, a little pop, a little maybe, a little pop, a little baby. Every time you're always so near, nobody loves me like you, dear. Let's talk a little cheese, a little pop, a little squeeze, a little try, a little sigh, a little maybe have to lie a little bit. Gonna tell you the truth, cause I love you when that's it. Cause I love you, baby, 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 with all my heart. Ooh, let's do me while I say a little, a lot of little ladies get away because I know, I know, pretty baby, I know, I know, pretty baby, I know you're the one, yes, you're the one, I knew it when I met you, what a big to get you. Find a little girl to make you love your life. Don't ever leave that you're flipping it and really want to ruin the plot. Light as a breeze through the trees, boy. Pleasant as one summer breeze, boy. Well, I'm a lucky lover, a lucky lover. I got the love you should discover. I was blue and I was always wearing a frown. Because my gal had turned me down. Then we met and you could bet I knew from the first. You were my love. Cause that's the hell great. I'll take a look at me, boy. Take another look, take another look. Take another look, take another good long look at me I've opened my eyes and now I see How the gray have silver linings when they reverse I found your love And that's when the old gray cloud burst That's when the old gray cloud burst You sing as well. I'm always fascinated with dancers singing <laughs> because it's hard enough to imagine the dancing, so I'm picturing myself out there dancing then... <sighs> Now I have to sing? It I've done everything else. Absol- How does one do that? Uh, with difficulty. Uh, there's, <laughs> Thank you for saying that, even yeah. if it's not true. I just, oh, it's I'm, absolutely I'm true. Struck by it. No, it's very tough. Um, you know, when, when uh, a lot of these incredibly great shows were written, they actually had to write them in certain ways so that, you know, an actor could catch his breath. I mean, uh. it's, uh, I, I, I did the lead in Crazy for You, and, you know, it's very tough. You have parts, numbers that come one on top of another, and you have to sing and you have to dance. And then, I what happens invariably is if you're doing the lead, as soon as the number's done and you finish the dance section, you've got dialogue <laughs> right there, and 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 you're panting, and it's very hard. You know, I, ideally you've got you've got a little rest period, either written into a show or what I do with my with with my act with Melissa. Uh, Giatino, we have patter. And the purpose of the patter, in, in addition to entertaining the audience and, you know, connecting with them and, and getting comfortable with them, it's to give yourself a break. I actually wrote a song. I, I, I dabble in songwriting and I wrote a song about being out of breath for the purpose of catching my breath. Oh, so that wonderful. when we get done with a number in my act, we kind of sing this little song that is uh, it's appropriate to be panting. So by the end, of, and by the end of the song, you're not panting anymore. Right, you're, you've caught your breath, and we can go on with the show. Yeah. Talk about fascinating rhythm. We can't have a show talking about oh, tap right. dancing without talking about that tune. It's just a great number. First of all, the subject matter. It's about this guy and/or girl who are just constantly uh, um, bothered by. A rhythms that rhythms that they can't get out of their head. So this just the lyric itself. It's by the great George and Ira Gershwin, of course. And uh, again, George Gershwin just had this ability to create incredible rhythms for a number. Uh, so I like the the rhythms of it. I like what the number says. 
and I do my own kind of little take on the song with Melissa, and um, we actually combine it with a little bit of I Got Rhythm, also George and Iris, so when we do our show, we... We we bill it as uh, we're going to combine the two numbers and we come up with a new title for it, which is I Got Fascinating Rhythm. Okay, <laughs> so uh, and the both are the subject matter is the same. They're about rhythms. And um, it's uh, it's just a great number. And uh, it it you know, sometimes you work on arrangements and what you want to do and you don't it doesn't happen. And sometimes it does happen. This, for me, was a number that happened, and I just fell in love with it. I just loved the number. And talk about this version that you brought for me. Yeah, well, um, this version is special because uh, it's actually George Gershwin playing for Fred and Adele Astaire, which, as your listeners may or may not know, Adele was Fred's original partner until she married uh, and that uh, left Fred looking for another partner. And, and that, wasn't he quite devastated by that? Did totally. Did he think that she was the better one and that he wouldn't go anywhere? Well, she, and- she was the bigger star. There's no question. Uh, yeah, the, the, he, he basically was the brother of the famous Adele Astaire. She met Lord Cavendish. She decided she was going to get out and get married. Fred had gotten married. He didn't know if he was going to have a career. And then he got this opportunity to do uh, a little bit in a movie uh, and he was introduced by Clark Gable, uh, and he did a little tiny bit in a movie, and uh, the the, the higher-ups, they decided they liked it. And then it was later when he did Flying Down to Rio, his next movie, the first one that I just referred to was Dancing Lady. Then he did Flying Down to Rio and was paired with Ginger Rogers, and the rest, of course, is history. Um, uh Yes, yeah, so this version goes back to their live Broadway days. And the thing that I love about this is uh, it's interesting how they sing together, Fred and Adele. They're not even concerned about the things that if they were two singers were singing this song today, they wouldn't use that take in a million years. <laughs> they're all over the place. They're unison. Their timing is is, is not... But it doesn't matter. It, it's not important. It's, it's so real and it's wonderful. Not, right. It's not what it's about. So, and then, of course, is the incredible piano playing of George Gershwin, particularly the ending. What he does to wrap up the number, the key mm. change, the tag that he puts on it is just, I was, what, what, what was that? I played it probably the first time I heard it 20 times in a row. And to this day, I'm still in awe of how he created the piano ending for that version, this version of Fascinating Rhythm. Take a day off to start to run. 
excited because we're going to collaborate and while you have worked with other musicians and improvised I've never worked with a dancer so mm. this is very exciting for me and we're going to Brazil we're we're flying down to Rio oh my god we're I flying just thought down of that to Rio we're flying down to Rio I hadn't thought of that wow. and talk about rhythms Whoosh. I'm going to yeah. take you to hear some things that Brazil, will just be... Brazilian, you've never been to Brazil before, I've right? I've never been to Brazil, no. This is I'm going to be very... I'm very excited. Uh, I'm just... This is going to be amazing. And I found it interesting that the people that we're working for, this wonderful jazz gerai, which I'm undoubtedly pronouncing wrong, <laughs> requested tap dancers. Isn't yeah. that interesting? The I, Brazilians are fascinated with this, and this is what they wanted in a jazz I, festival. God bless them for doing that. I know. Very forward-thinking jazz I festival I wouldn't be people. going down, so thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, something said tap dance to this guy, so mm -hmm. I don't know how or why, but I'm glad he did. I am, too. I'm very excited about all of this and getting new insight to Fred, because our listeners know, because I have mentioned Fred Astaire a lot as... Probably my major first influence of what made me want to be a jazz musician. It made me want to dance, but it got me into that kind hmm. of music. So actually meeting another Fred-inspired person. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm that. I'm certainly <laughs> Fred-inspired. Yeah, no, we're excited. I think that, you know, uh, I'm excited about seeing how we can contribute to your show and, and, and make it as great as it can be. That's my uh, goal. And uh, it's thrilling to be able to be supportive in that capacity. So well, it's going to be fun. We're going to improvise with all of us. We'll, yeah, we'll have wait. some other people. That's really interesting mm. because I, oh, yeah. I feel like I do. I've just added more musicians musician. who happen to play with their feet. Yeah. Well, it's true. And, and you've got inc incredible musicians to begin with yourself included. So, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm, Chafing at the bit. We're going to have lots of fun flying down to Rio. We're I can't believe neither of us thought Rio. of that before. This is great. That's the name of our show. It is. That's our show what is we should flying have down to Rio. Well, call the presses. Stop the presses. Starring, Give them the new starring Dolores Del Carmichael. <laughs> I like it. Do I get to have the bananas on my Yes, yes, like absolutely. This we're going to We're going to make a hack for you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been lots of fun. Oh, it's been great. Thank you very much. You've been listening to tap dancer vocalist Richard Schwartz. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. 
I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing in my music, visit judycarmichael.com. Special thanks to Tom Rickenback, Stephen Linda Plotnicki, and our webmaster Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and & Sons and the American Hotel Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com. Thanks, too, to Sag Harbor Florists. You can visit them at sagharborfloristandgifts.com. Thank you.